Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, Mr. Ethan Slimy Dual Leech Convert Sacks. Ethan, you've seen the light. How does it feel to come over to Team Dual Leech? Look, just so we're clear, my heart will always be with the Night Drinkers, okay? You couldn't uh, even think of the name of your card. I my, saw you looking out of the corner of your eyes there. But look, I just, as I, it's my due diligence, I get into the trenches, I, I play with the cards, and I have to say, I have been impressed a lot more by Slimy Dooleach than the Night Drinker. It's what we like to hear. I feel like we're talking it's, about Twilight, Team Jacob, Team Edward. But it's <laughs> I not love like the fact that you've converted. People keep saying, like, whenever I, like, I'm like, sadly, I think it's better. They're like, oh, yeah, 2-4 blocker. I'm like, no, no, that's not, it's good. It's the plus one, plus oh, and death touch on attacks that's good. Correct, yes. Yeah, it's not, like, the card, the card itself, I mean, it does, like, it, it attacking as a 3-4 death touch is also pretty good. But it's not because you're like, cool, and then I stay back on blocks with a 2-4. No, no, no. But yes, I agree. I'm on Team Duel Each. Congratulations once again, Ben. <laughs> Almost you like win. one of his, one of the co-hosts on this really cool podcast foresaw that this was a good synergy piece in a, in a black-white deck. It's almost like that. Should we chat about some of your shortcomings as a card evaluator or just my own? <laughs> we could, I mean, but <laughs> I start the podcast off, so I get to choose the first conversation topic. <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. Buddy, it's here. Murders of Karlov Manor is upon us. How are you feeling so far in the first week of the format? I feel very good. I have been enjoying the format. I think, you know, certainly there's white aggro decks running around that are quite good. But unlike Lost Caverns of Ixalan, I think the tools are there to fight those white aggro decks. And I think as they become more popular, they're also going to get a little worse because it's not like multiple colors. It really is white. That's the bulk of those decks. And I think as white gets contested, those decks are going to slow down a little bit. And already I feel like I've seen some of that adjusting. So, yeah, I am in on uh, Murders at Karlov Manor. Yeah, I'm in as well. This feels like the first set in a while where I and I'm thankful for it as a set that, you know, I'm going to be drafting at the Pro Tour. You're going to be playing competitively at MagicCon Chicago. Like there's not the color disparity that I feel like we've seen in a while. Like I think we could probably all agree that white is the best color, but I don't see consensus on what the worst color is. I mean, I think there's I, I see different scuttle between green and black, but I also don't feel like the gap. It's not like, a well, I hope to never touch green with a 10 foot pole. I actually quite like the green soup decks in the format. Um, I think there's a lot to offer that the, the multiple colors and color pairs have. Right, for sure. And it's not that a color is bad because all of its decks are bad, right? I think there are right. maybe a couple clunkers of archetypes out of mm -hmm. the 10. Certainly red green pops to mind, at least for the moment for me. And maybe that's just because I don't understand it yet. Yeah. But certainly there are green and black decks, green or black decks that are good decks, right? So you're yeah. still going to be happy drafting those colors. Correct. Yeah. So I, I think we, we got a lot to chat about. We're going to talk about like some big picture stuff. We're going to get into some nitty gritty cards. Ben and I are going to duke it out about a, a set uncommon a little later on in the show. But before we get into all that, let's chat about some housekeeping stuff. First things first is the Patreon page. Patreon.com slash Lords of Limited is where folks can go to get back to the show if they so choose. The show will always be free, but we have some great perks over at the Patreon page. If you would like to give back the base level, everybody gets access to the Lords of Limited Discord. Hopping, popping, 24-7 limited tech support. At this point, what can I say about the Discord that hasn't already been said, Ben? You just need to join the Lords of Limited fam. What are you waiting you just, for? You just have to get in there. The, some great perks as you move up the reward tier rankings. You can get access to the show notes in advance of the episode as well as access to the episode a day early. That early access 
dropping into your podcast feed. And of course, uh, monthly coaching sessions with me or Ben if you move all the way up the reward tier ranking. So if any or all of that sounds of interest to you, uh, head on over to the Patreon page. And we, of course, want to shout out our new patrons the first week that they join. So this week, I am going to need Ben's help in helping me welcome in Reed, Nick, Crawling Loris, Frederick, Ronald, Hank, MK, Bruce, Tara, Mitch, Freeman, Andrew, Robert, James, Nicholas, Brian, and Scott. Thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yeah, cannot say thank you enough. Show is also brought to you by Cool Stuff Inc., coolstuffinc.com, where they've got cool stuff in stock. And you better believe that cool stuff that they've got in stock right now is play boosters for murders at Carlisle Manor. Whether you have opened packs or not, you need to be getting play booster packs to do some in-person drafts. I think this set is really cool. I think this will be one to come back to, certainly as magic continues on for the next, whatever, 15, 20 years. Like, this is a turning point, you know, going from draft boosters to play boosters. And it will be very cool to, I think, revisit this and revisit, oh, yeah, this was the first time we had play boosters. This was the first time there were 14 cards in packs instead of 15. And I think you're going to want to commemorate that in the in the closet. So what are you waiting for? Pick up a box of Murders at Carlisle Manor, dust it off, put it in the closet, and come back, I don't know, three, four, five years, bust it out, draft it with your friends. But to do that, you need to order it at CoolStuffInc.com. And make sure you use checkout code LOL, all caps, when you do to let them know that we sent you over there and get 5% off your order. So speaking of play boosters, let's start there. We've now had about a week to mess with play boosters and feel the impact. Is draft dead? Are there 24 rares in your sealed pools? What's going on with play boosters in your mind? I mean, draft is not dead, but I do think draft is different. But I don't think it's a bad different. I mean, certainly, like... I'm enjoying this way more than I did Lost Caverns of Ixalan. So I personally, I would say for me right now, a week into play boosters, this is kind of a net even switch for booster packs. Like, I don't think it got better, but I don't think it got worse. But I do think it is noticeably different. The The biggest thing that sticks out to me that I dislike is not really having a chance to wheel anything past yeah. like pick three. Like once I get to pick four and five and I'm like, oh, maybe this thing's going to come back and there's going to be like two cards left in the pack <laughs> when it comes back around by like pick four or five, that's a bummer. And it just feels really different. And I don't think it's necessarily going to be bad going for it just feels bad right now because it's different, right? People don't like change me, me certainly. Like, And so I think right now it feels bad because it's different. But I think once we get used to it being different and you just adjusting to okay, I, I get a chance to wheel something out of my first few packs and I'll clock that. And then I'll stop feeling bad about it, you know, in picks, pick six or whatever. I think there's a a bright future, certainly for the amount of rares and the amount of uncommons in packs. Like that is a huge win for me. Like I am finally on your team about rares. I think it adds tons of variety to the format and I really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I wanted to pick your brain about it. So I totally agree with that about the wheel. When I saw you in the show notes here, you said wheel anything past pack three. I thought I didn't think you meant pick three. I thought you meant in pack three because that has been my experience. So like it's hard to wheel anything, certainly in pack one, as people are feeling things out. But as people settle into their decks in pack two and pack three, I do find that you can like if you know you're the only blue red drafter in pack three, you probably can wheel that gleaming gear Drake, you know, like but you kind of have to be certain about that. But I have definitely had to adjust like I keep for like thinking that cards aren't wheeling, not because they aren't, but because I'm just not there yet. There's like five cards left in the pack. And I'm like, oh, we're not, a, we're not even at the wheel yet. We're not even I, at the wheel yeah. yet. <laughs> right. Cause you're used to counting. Okay. Seven yeah. cards are here. This is the wheel. Yeah. 
Yeah. So that, and, and I'm sort of surprised at how much of a difference that feels with only one card less in the boosters, you know, well, but, but that like is the two case. cards less, right? Because one of those cards is also not a playable card, right? Is that true? I think so. I think the packs on arena only have 13 cards. Isn't that just because of the, the basic land? Like when there were 15 cards, it was really only 14 cards. Was of it lands. always only 14? But sometimes the basic yeah. land slot was like a dual was a, slot a dual or like a yeah, whatever. But not, yes, but not often. Sometimes that was that was the case. That's true. So I agree about the variety of the the drafts. Like they feel very different so far. And obviously we're we're early days still, but they do feel like you get like, oh, this this cool card to build around or whatever. And they they do feel like they're build arounds. But one thing that I feel like is the commons, I don't want to say like matter less, but I do wonder if we're going to have to start to shift the way we focus on like how we're talking about archetypes. I just feel like uncommons, I mean, they show up more and they're they're more prevalent. And like, I feel like there's a card a little later I want to talk about Analyze the Pollen, which is the single green rare. Um, you can either search up a basic land or collect evidence eight and search up a creature from your library and put it into your hand. And I just feel like taking, like Analyze the Pollen is a card where in draft boosters, I might say, well, I don't want to take that before I have something worth tutoring. But I feel very confident taking that pack one, pick one. I'm like, I'm going to find something, even if it's just an uncommon, like there's power in these packs. And as that felt like, okay, this is March of the Machine 2.0 or whatever in that respect, that just might be what draft environments are like from now on based on the texture of play boosters. Yeah, I mean, like too early to call that on the first format sure. of play boosters, but like excited about that possibility because I, I do think there is power at common too, right? The white commons are very good, which is why white is doing very well and they're powerful enough to hang with the rares and the uncommons from other colors. But then the fact that the other colors aren't quite as juiced at common, like the rares and the uncommons make up for it and that incentivizes you to draft those other colors. So then you do still get a varied draft experience despite white having the best comments, which I, I really appreciate. I totally agree. It, but again, like to to comp it to March of the Machine some more, like there was a bit of like preening champ matters a lot. And I don't remember what the other sort of top commons in that set were. But then past that, they didn't. And I sort of feel a similar way here of like shock matters a lot. Dog walker matters a lot. There's like a handful of them that really matter. And then the rest are like, it's all context, baby. Right. Yes, which I think we're going to get into in the episode. Sure. But this is this is 100% a synergy driven format. So the the commons that matter are the good commons, which can go in all of the decks of their color pairs, essentially. And then the rest of them are, yeah, you'll play this in black, white, or you'll play this in blue, white. And they, they really have their place in an archetype for sure. I, I do definitely agree with that. And yeah. whatever the last five or six commons just don't matter at all. Like you are really in trouble if you're putting D's in your deck. Yeah, yeah. Though I think I, I did find I had a blue red deck the other day that performed quite well, but I had to like dig deep because I thought I was black green until like the middle of pack two when I was like, uh oh, I got I'm gonna have to pivot here. And so I did have to put some clunkers. But actually, one of my opponents because I've been playing on Magic Online almost exclusively, one of my opponents called me out. They were like, "Magnifying glass, really? You said you would never put that in your deck." I was like, <laughs> "Okay, look, I, I had a tough time. I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to scrape together to get 22 here." 
But I do think you can find some ways to turn those Ds into Cs sometimes. But I, yes. I agree large. But that's that goes to your synergy point, which maybe we should get to now. These updated format thoughts of like it is a synergy driven format, right? I'm not. I'm not it's definitely synergy driven. I'm not quite ready to jump there. The other okay. thing about play boosters that I do want to like put a little ding on is the double commons or the double uncommons occurring what is that as about? often as they do. I don't. It's the foil slot, right, or whatever. But I, I wish there was a way to avoid it and it's not the worst i mean like certainly like missing the wheel i would say is a bigger knock for me on play boosters than the double commons or uncommons and this is the first iteration of play boosters so it doesn't necessarily have to be this way until the end of time you know they might find ways to fix it or change it or change the percentages and i'm sure they will iterate on play boosters for sure the last thing i want to say is just that for the first go around knowing that they're likely going to iterate on this i'd say that this is a huge a huge win i think for introducing like a a different feeling way to draft i think this is a good draft format wow i i don't know if i was expecting positive ben to show up on this sunday morning but i'm here for it (laughs) so to get into format thoughts as you were saying synergy here like the format is very hard to put into a box which is what i like to do the first week or two and i think it's really hard to do that which is i think a boon for the format each of the archetypes other than i think you could lump white aggressive decks into a bucket or a pillar uh-huh. or whatever you want to do but other than that i think watsy kind of nailed a lot of the draft archetypes you know blue red really feels like a distinct deck And Mm -hmm. black white kind of feels like a distinct deck from the other white decks or blue green collecting evidence feels like a distinct deck. And that's a a really nice thing. And that's what drives synergy formats, right, is distinct archetypes, because then you can pick up cards that are synergistic for your deck that aren't for other decks. And by putting in a box, like usually you'll come to us week one and be like, it's a teamer format. It's a Jeskai format, whatever. We're trying to like get that and, and be like, okay, so there's white aggressive decks, there's green ramp decks and then there's black sacrifice decks whatever and like those are the kind of buckets you want to be able to put formats into and i don't feel like we have that here right not really i mean i think if you did it would probably be naya like i mean certainly i think 17 lands would probably tell you that it's a naya format but like blue white detectives is great so it's hard for me to declare it like a naya format but it's also not just guy i don't think because blue red is truly a synergy deck Mm-hmm. It doesn't just have a lot of rawly powerful commons that go in it. You know what I mean? Well, so is blue white. Like blue white doesn't feel like, yeah, you're going to play dog walkers in whatever white deck you have. But like blue white does like if you're starting off with a private eye, like it does feel like you're going down a road and then you get the whatever the white detective case to solve when you get multiple detectives and you're making clues. Like I think that it's not like even all of the white based aggro decks feel the same to me yes i agree yeah which is awesome for the format Mm -hmm. and i think the other thing that i really want to hammer home this episode as far as it being a synergy format is you really can't afford cards that are out of place in your deck and hope to succeed against the rares because there are some banger rares running around but i think one of the coolest things that i've experienced so far and again i'm a small sample size so maybe i've just been on the good side of this but i've piloted a lot of decks that are you know, two or three bomb rares splashing a little bit, but still having good mana, but not being a focused synergy deck and saying, okay, I'm going to cast these few powerful rares to win me the game. And generally when I've faced streamlined synergy decks in those spots, I've lost to the streamlined synergy decks, which I also think is a point in the format's favor. Like 
blue-red focused decks have beaten my decks full of rares. Blue-white detectives decks have beaten my decks full of rares. And so would you say that, like, I don't know, are you, let's say you're given a choice of a, a synergy, a low-powered synergy deck, let's say one of those, a blue-red artifacts or a, a blue-white detectives deck, versus having, like, three, two to three premium cards, and obviously a functional support for it. We're not talking like a clunky deck. Would you prefer to have the streamlined lower power synergy deck or would you prefer to have the the few haymakers? It's hard to say because I haven't piloted blue red myself yet, you know, mm. and I, I still haven't managed to pilot like true blue white detectives. Like I've played white red beatdown aggro, you know, four or five times or whatever, because I've been able to kind of bully my way into that on arena. But I've played against blue white detectives and blue red. So on the other side of the matchup, having those rares, I think right now I would choose to say I would want a synergy deck, but maybe time will tell that that's not the right choice. But certainly I think it has to be at least kind of close. Yeah. On average, it takes about 30 days for a person to break their New Year's resolution. So if saving money was on your 2024 list, your odds aren't looking that great. Luckily, I have a 100% guaranteed way to save money this year. Switching to free to play on Arena? No. Stopping trying to cast World Spine Worm in Limited? No. Letting Jonah make all your draft picks for you? No, it's switching phone plans to Mint Mobile. For a limited time, wireless plans from Mint Mobile are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. That's unlimited talk, text, and data for $15 a month. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your own phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get premium wireless service for just 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash LOL. That's mintmobile.com slash LOL. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash LOL. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. I want to talk about, we touched on this a little bit last week about removal and like removal being so important, but I have, I'm I'm curious to pick your brain on this because I had inklings of this last week of like, I sort of agree with that and sort of disagree because there are, there's like middle of the road removal spells that I am really not happy with. Like basically there's shock. And like, I do think the removal revolves around being able to interact favorably with disguise. Not that all removal has to target disguise creatures, that disguise creatures are coming up, but their presence does mean that like the removal, you have to be thinking about them at all times with your removal. So there's shock, there's long goodbye, which like is also sort of awkward-ish because you have to time it well with like, you can get blown out by people undisguising their creatures, whatever. But there's, so there's cheap ways to interact with uh, disguise. And then there's like two for one-y type removal, like case of the burning masks, which is like one red, red, deal three. And then if three things dealt damage, you solve the case and can pick a card from the top three to cast this turn uh, if you crack the case. So I think like that doesn't interact at all favorably with disguise, but it's a two for one. Like it gives you some power beyond that. So like that's the way I'm thinking about removal is like it either has to interact favorably with disguise or it has to give me something else, like something plus killing a creature. And stuff that's in the middle, I'm pretty off. Like, I think no Kappa. I think murder is pretty bad in the format. I'm kind of there with Galvanize. Like, I know you're shaking your head at me, but, like, you're going to come around to this way of thinking. Like, I don't – I think 
the idea of like, well, you're just ha- you're gonna have to be able to answer bombs. I kind of agree with that, but murder is such is like awkward nine out of ten times that yeah, that tenth time it's gonna kill their bomb or whatever if it didn't already have an ETB, I guess. But like, I just think those cards are gonna want to sit on the sidelines more often than not. That's my take. I my uh, to defend my head shaking, I was tilting back and forth. Like I, I sorry, kind I, mis- of, I misinterpreted the head shake. My my bad. I, I kind of agree with the sentiment. I think I'm just not pushed as far to the extreme as you are yet. So, for example, like I think makeshift binding is incredible. Yes, like, two I and, agree. Two and a white exile thing, and then you get the two life, right? Yes, like that's kind of the line for like good removal spell. And yes. I think murder falls on the wrong side of that. But I think. My black decks want one murder. You just don't want like three or four murders. Like that's I where I'm at. I don't know if I agree. I don't know if my black decks do want a murder. That's like I no, truly feel that way right now. But that's that's fair. And I, like I said, but yeah. I, and I'm just not pushed. So I think we're like in the same camp. Like I'm just not quite as far left or right or whatever you want to say <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are politically yet. That's um, right. You're an extremist. I'm, I'm still a, a moderate in the middle. Of I am, I'm broadcasting from our nation's capital today. Yes. <laughs> oh, there we go. Love to see it. Yeah. OK, so that, that's just like where I'm we will probably want to touch on it in future weeks, too. But that's where I'm at with removal is like I do think you want to think about it. Your removal in relationship to disguise creatures and bombs. Well, and also I think the white aggro menace, because the other place murder lines up super poorly is like the default stock aggro deck in the format as red white really goes wide and has a billion one ones and two twos. All terrible creatures. Yes. And your murder looks so bad. Similarly against white black. So a lot of the white decks poop out a lot of inconsequential things that become consequential because of the sheer amount of them and the amount of pressure that they put on you in the other game and and murder doesn't answer that which is why i think the answer for me there is one and then you're basically just hoping to not draw it or side it out against red white but i do think the other interesting thing about removal is that's not really the way to beat aggro i don't think i think like setting right. up defenses like and planning to block is the way to well, do that. Like so, for example, V two Gazi Inspector for green decks. The one we touched on this last week, but I, like it keeps going up for me. If yeah. you have a, have a green deck that wants to get to the late game, the one in a green one three that you can collect evidence six to put a plus one plus one counter somewhere and gain two life, and then it also has reach. Like that's the type of card. Or certainly the other cool thing I think about the format that has stuck out to me so far is that green finally gets to be uniquely big to some extent like there's so much small stuff yeah that's around, a really like, good point in, in the white colors and even white black or white red or white blue like when green plays a four five or a five five or somebody mm-hmm. plays the the white green morph that is a four four that comes in with plus one plus one and that thing's like a seven seven like you're having to quadruple block it <laughs> if you're right. on the back foot or and, something and you know? then close your eyes in fear for any <laughs> any trick or removal spell from your opponent yeah right so i do think it is possible to go over the top of the aggro decks which i think is going to be a cool cool evolution for the format that i'm looking forward to yeah, I t- totally want to co-sign your thought about, like, that's not the way to stop the aggro menace. I was playing, uh, I had a really sick blue-black deck with triple copies of Coerce to Kill, which is the, like, control magic. You steal the thing, and then it's a 1-1 death touch. And you're stealing copies. their 2-2 detective token? <laughs> uh, well, I, I, mean, I wish. I would love to do that. But then I'm looking down at a bunch of 1-1 dogs. So I had three of those, and I had three copies of Extract a Confession. And then, what, like, cleanly 2-0 my first opponent, 2-0 my second opponent, get to red white beats round three i'm like 
oh, everything in my deck lines up. Like I cut, I think I cut two coerced to kills and one of the edicts because I was like, I need to just bring in like two mana one threes yep. to match up against their little derps, you know? And so I agree. I think the way to stop the aggro menace is trying to like your your ground creatures or your blockers can stonewall multiple things. You can't really go one for one with them with removal. Right. And I think the other, the last thing I want to throw out about the format is that I don't think you have to be white aggro to have success. Like if it's contested in your pods, draft a green control deck. If, if blue red is open in your seat, like play blue red artifact synergy. So I don't think you need to go in feeling like, well, you know, like in lost caverns of Ixalan, sometimes if I started black card, black card, and then saw a spyglass sire and I was like, okay, guess we're done with this black thing and we're playing blue white or we're playing blue red or something. I think if you have some, you know, blue or black cards and you see dog walker fourth, like you don't need to feel like you have to jump ship for dog walker. Like it's not right. That good. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't think it's like, I mean, maybe preening champion is a good comparison for it, but I don't think it's like that. Honestly. No, it's not. Even, even though it's very good. Yes. Is and, and novice inspector is like preening champion. Novice inspector is incredible. Yeah. Is so like, do you have a top common right now? Like, I mean, I feel like oh, it's novice inspector for sure. Oh, really? Okay. That would be my number one common in the format. Yeah. Wow. Like, yeah, that it. card is bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thraben inspector, whatever. 10 years later, still good. Should we chat a bit about the archetypes and what makes them tick? I do, but because I really want to, because I think they're so unique. And I think if you haven't drafted the format, like having our descriptions of it and a little talk about it is going to be way more helpful than Wizards description but i also think wizards did kind of nail it on some of theirs but you can't always trust that stuff you know mm-hmm. yeah, well and also there it's always peppered with like flowery language of like make sure you crack like get down to business and get out your magnifying glass to solve the case it's just <laughs> like what am i doing so we've we, we've talked a bit about like the white aggressive decks and we have all four of the white decks at the top of this list here red white blue white green white and black white the, the only deck that I don't really have a good sense for is green white among these. I haven't drafted it myself and I haven't, I've been sort of like just trying to nose to the grindstone, get my own thoughts about the format. I haven't really checked 17 lands, but I did see um, Sirkovitz had a, a chart on day two of like the archetype power rankings and how they're performing on day one and day two. And green white was at the top of the heap, which sort of surprised me. So I'm curious to get your thoughts on green white where what you've seen it do so far. Yeah, well, I also have been a great co-host, and I have I have tooled around seventeen lands while I was while I was making the show notes. Good for you, buddy. All right, so red white. I think yeah, looking at I think the best default deck in the format, just red white beats. Really best default wally. deck because it probably has the it's the, got the highest floor, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, it's got a very high ceiling too because right. yeah, yeah, because of. Uh, whatever, on the job, the, the two white, white instant plus two plus oh, one. Yeah, like yeah. Red white decks that are packing on the job, like the card's just so hard to stabilize against. Mm-hmm. But anyway, if you're playing red, white, you want to be hyper aggressive. I think you want to end the game as quickly as possible. And, and you just need to look at the top commons <laughs> like on 17 lands. Like that is the red, white deck. It's the best level one deck. It's the deck that plays dog walker the easiest, flips dog walker the easiest. And we should talk about those commons because you, you can put dog walker in a white black deck or you can put dog walker in a white green deck they're worse if they don't go in their color pair 
Like they, they go from like whatever B minus to C plus. They're significantly harder to cast and flip. Like Granite Witness in non blue white, you're playing because it's a good card, but you're not nearly as happy playing it outside of blue white as you are in blue white. Yes, I, I agree with that for sure. It definitely puts a pinch on your mana. And also you like, I mean, I, I don't know what's going on with you arena folks, but I have to imagine a lot of people are getting got by the auto tapper when you're like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to play my disguise, creature your face down and I'm going to have black, black up to, oh no, 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 stop. What'd you do? You know, <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with that. So I think the other thing to know about red, white, and I think this is just important to know for the format in general, is that you really want to know when your deck is trying to end the game like when and how and red white is like as fast as possible like you you don't want to be putting a card for some value in your red white deck or a card that's going to stop you from flooding out in your red white deck like you don't want demand answers or whatever that card is that lets you rummage and draw to well yeah demanding answers i think is not good but there are a lot of red that they pair well with aggressive strategies but the red has ways to have card draw or card selection so like there's reckless detective which is great that's the 03 that can then rummage or uh, sack an artifact um, to be a 2-3 when it attacks uh there's connecting the dots at rare that card that's just an insane it's bomat courier as an enchantment like there's there are there's the i forget the red rare case that's like a tormenting voice but then if you have no cards in hand you solve it and then you draw two every upkeep after you discard your hand like red does have tools that i think pair well with that but like i think you you do play some number of those in your red aggressive decks at least i have been but i agree with your sentiment about red white wanting to end the game like no value to be found there right sure but those cards that you mentioned are just all insane right well, but i, I felt <laughs> yeah, like yeah, yeah. I sure, to clarify, the point yes, yes 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 yeah those cards you are all happily included yeah all right it takes it on to blue white yeah, so blue-white is detectives, right? Detective synergy plays out as a tempo, aggressive deck. I think this is like a creature types matter. Private eye is nuts, as we thought. Out cold is the nuts here. I mean, this is a... Like, I don't think it's just the nuts here. I think any blue deck that wants to be tempo positive is thrilled to play out cold. It's interesting, like, what's the rare loss in the maze? Is X blue-blue, enchantment, flash, you tap... X creatures and put a stun counter on them and then tapped creatures you control have X proof. So it's an interesting trade-off, right? Because Lost in the Maze, you can protect your own thing, right? If they go to kill your thing, you can go, all right, Lost in the Maze for three, tap my thing, now it has hex proof and tap two your things they don't untap. I wonder if Out Cold is still just better than that because of how it interacts with Disguise, you know? Like, and giving you the, the card with the investigate token. Out Cold is very, very strong. Yeah, it's close because I, I do think Lost in the Maze is probably still better, but you just don't want to pick it that highly because not that many decks at the table can use out cold. So it's weird. Like, I kind of want to balk back my top blue common take in some senses because it's a very specific type of blue deck where you want out cold and not all blue decks are that way. But it's I mean, it's still crazy good, but it's hard to pick Lost in the Maze highly because out cold is a common and there's there's next to no difference and you can't overload like on on out colds plus a lost in the maze you know mm-hmm. where are you at on crime stopper sprite i know i know we're not chatting about it a little later i've seen wildly different takes about the card this is the tuna blue two two flyer has collect evidence six and when it etbs you tap something and if you collected evidence you put a stun counter on it i think it is blue white detectives only for me yeah, like I think there's a there's a world where you can think about just blue X 
tempo. Because I think that collect evidence as bargain, like, yes, it's upside, but for a card like Crime Stopper Sprite, I do think if your game plan is, I'm going to be tempo, I'm going to be spriting, tapping down your stuff, I'm going to be out cold, like, whatever, and out cold helps. Like, there's sort of a, a chicken and the egg thing there of, like, out cold is four-sixths of your collect evidence for your sprite, and so they pair nicely together. Right, there's a very symbiotic relationship. Right, synergy with a capital S as we're talking about with this this entire format. But like, where I don't know if it's just in detectives, I think you can just sort of have a blue deck that utilizes it. Because I can also see a detectives deck that's like not really collecting evidence. Though I guess you don't care. Like you're like, well, stun counter or not, not a big deal. Like just tapping something for the turn is probably good enough. It's definitely that's, not the top blue common for me anymore. Right, that's what I think about the card. I think it is a threat that then you, you like if if you get to collect evidence great but it is not a collect evidence card it's a 2-2 flyer that taps down a blocker that is right. a detective like that, that that's why i would say blue white detectives only because mm-hmm. not a lot of the other blue decks like blue green certainly not a tempo deck blue red not really a tempo deck and I, I don't think blue black is particularly a tempo deck i think it can be but yeah i agree not not at its default though i agree yeah yeah what's going on with green white like i said i haven't really seen much of it Green White's cool. I think Tunnel Tipster is the name of the game in Green White. That card has been impressive. Have you experienced that at all? I have. Yeah. It de- like as soon as it gets a counter, you're like, okay, now I now this is becoming something I'm going to have to deal with. And then once it gets its second counter, this is the one in a green, one one taps for a green mana, and then at the end of your turn, if you uh, have a disguised creature, a face down creature under the battlefield under your control, it gets a plus one plus one counter. Once it becomes a three three, you're like. It's a real problem. Tarmogoyf that ramps you. It's really no. strong. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> Maybe not quite that good, but Tunnel Tipster is outstanding in green white. And I do think that's basically what the deck wants to do. So I think green white's doing well because first of all, white's great. And all, all of whites, the thing we missed about, or certainly I won't lump you in the thing I missed about, and I was kind of saying the green disguise creatures fell flat. But green-white gets to play the white disguise creatures, which are great. So uh-huh. I think you are still happy flipping up a lot of disguise creatures as a green-white deck. Loxodon Eavesdropper also has been very impressive. And I think Tunnel Tipster letting you cast a Loxodon mm-hmm. Eavesdropper on turn three. You get a clue, like you're you're threatening to crack your, your clue. Like it's just a lot of board presence going Tipster into Eavesdropper. And then Eavesdropper as a 4-4, as we've said in the format, is huge. Like 4-4 is quite large that early in the game i've also been really impressed with crowd control warden like these green white decks can put a lot of stuff on the board and then a lot of times that's a seven seven and eight eight but the thing that's cool about playing the green white deck or that's hard about playing against it is when they swing at you with a disguise creature like you always have to respect crowd control warden so you kind of have to block at a certain point because you can't afford to not block and take eight to the dome you know what I mean? Right. But then, like, if you're chumping it with a dog, they don't actually have to spend the mana to flip the crowd control warden. Green White just has a lot of play. It's really good, I think, at putting the opponent on the back foot and and forcing them into some awkward situations. And you just get a lot of clues between Loxodon, right. Dropper, and Novice Inspector. Like, you get a lot of cards that are intrinsically two-for-ones, which is a good place to be in a game of Magic. Yeah. Last uh, on the list of white decks is black white. I think generally wants to be aggressive in a similar sense of like red white. It's going wide. It can grind, but it's I think like default is just like 
oops, all, it's sort of similar to red white and like oops, all bad creatures with the power two synergies, but you don't have to work. I feel like for the power two synergies, cause that's just like what the deck has and wants. Like you're going to trigger your snarling gore hounds. You're going to trigger your wisp drinker vampire. You're going to trigger whatever. Like you're just going to get that stuff online because the creatures are small. The leech I think is a great four drop in the deck, you know? Yeah. It really is. But the thing that I've found difficult about black white is that it's not like a an overarchingly synergistic deck the way blue red or blue white is like those are very obvious. Like if you like truly the Watsi label of blue white detectives, if you play some private eyes and a bunch of detectives and a bunch of tempo cards, bam, you got yourself a blue white deck. If in blue red, you play a bunch of artifacts and you pay the art, play the artifact payoffs. You you have a blue red deck. Black white is a lot less obviously synergistic it's much more about like okay this collection of five cards works really together and this other collection of four cards is a nice package it's like little packages pockets of synergy and then like kind of mashing that all together into the power two or less overarching plan but it's it's much more about having collections of cards that boost each other up i think yeah i think you need so one of the reasons you have to be aggressive is one i think it's easy as it often is with black white as an archetype it's easy to feel like you can like eke out small little values like oh i'm just gonna drain them a little bit over the course of turns with wisp drinker vampire and then i'll crack in like you can't sit back because the bigger deck like decks will just be bigger than you if you sit around like maybe you can like brick wall the red white aggro decks but you're just going to get eaten up by any green collect evidence deck so like that's where that's where the dual leech is so important though because it lets your one ones and two twos attack into greens giant monsters when they're trying to stabilize like we did a showdown video and you put me in (laughs) awful spots just by like okay i'm going to keep attacking you with these small things i'm going to keep putting you into bad block situations with these small things that you know we were saying last week we didn't think black could be aggressive black definitely has the tools to be aggressive and i think all four of these white decks a clear thing with them is that you want to get the game over with quickly like if you're playing white you want to be on the aggressive side of things i think black white is the least of the aggressive, but it's still aggressive. Yes, I think that should be your default for sure. Again, because I, I just don't think it, the longer the game goes on, I think you're just going to get out carded. And I do think we should chat just briefly about Snarling Gorehound. This is the single black one one with menace. Whenever a creature with power two or less ETBs, you can surveil one. I thought that this was more of a way to fuel your yard for collect evidence stuff or for the like leave the graveyard stuff in black green. This is just an excellent aggressive one drop. Like it it having menace plus it being in a color where creatures are suspected, all of that like incidental menace running around really puts a pinch on your opponent being able to like they have to decide I'm fully racing or I'm never attacking so I can try and have blockers for all these menace things cuz it's really hard to face down like the gorehound just comes down on one and it's like getting in for one getting in for one over the course of whatever five or six turns it's a lot plus ensuring that you as an aggressive deck are not running out of gas you're just right. four land stop every time a creature comes into play I surveil make sure I'm not drawing a land next turn and that's a very powerful engine I don't think it's like yeah, the the whole surveil to fuel collect evidence stuff that's not that's not what it's doing right i agree well that that also lets you then leverage removal like when you force your opponent into staying back to block 
And then like one removal spell puts one of their blockers off and then that lets two more of your menace creatures through or something that, yeah, it's just a very scary deck to play. And so when they get out to a fast start and Gorehound's a big part of that. Yeah. Uh, it takes us on to blue red, which uh, I've actually had uh, the chance to play quite a bit so far. It's great. It is as advertised, like all in artifact synergy. Gleaming gear Drake is excellent here. Detective Satchel is it's real. Detective Super Satchel real. is real. And you know what it's really good with is I'm forgetting the name of it, but the, the Merfolk 1-3 untapper. Forensic researcher, forensic researcher, it to make two yeah. doctors a turn. Yeah, that mm-hmm. is super dumb. The first time someone did that against me, I was like, "Wait, what? <laughs> this is not remotely fair." And this, this is where case of the filched falcon. That's the single blue. Uh, make a clue. If you have three artifacts or more in your end step, you solve the case, and then you can pay two and a blue to animate uh, an artifact, a non-creature artifact, as a four-four flyer. This it, that is a secret. I've tried that other spots, just thinking like, "Well, it could be good enough." It's a blue red gold card, but I think it's excellent in blue red. Like I have, I have had that dream curve of case on one, gear Drake on two, animate a clue on three, and you're smacking in for five in the air on turn three. Like it's real, right? Yeah, and I think the cool thing about blue red is it can be really explosive, but Detective Satchel also lets it grind super well into the late game as well because it's really hard to beat an army of Thopters. Detective Satchel is basically like a, a planeswalker. Well, and that's one of the, when the archetype is based around like making a bunch of clues, it's just almost impossible to not be able to like, yes, you'd like to be aggressive, I think as blue red, it's almost impossible to not be able to go toe to toe with any longer game deck as well, because you draw so many cards. All right, that takes us to blue green, which I think is just basically figure out how to not lose to white aggro, and then you win the late game. I think we talked about it earlier, but V2 Gazi Inspector is great. I think blue green is also one of the decks that wants to splash the most like blue green along with green black. I think those two are the, the best that use greens fixing evidence examiner has been incredible. Now, granted, I had six of them in the deck <laughs> that I that I played it in. So that was a little obscene. You're probably not going to have that every time. But evidence examiner, I think, is the card that pulls you towards blue green the hardest. That's the uncommon. It's the blue green for a two two. And whenever you collect evidence, you investigate and it gives you the option to collect evidence for four on your turns that you can then investigate. But the the thing that's cool about it is that I didn't quite put together until I was playing with it is that any evidence you collect is going to trigger it. So once it sits on the board, like all of your collect evidence cards just get really juiced because they're all paying you back and giving you a clue token. We, We should also shout out. I personally would recommend avoiding chalk outline. I've tried I've tried to build around chalk outline. And it requires a very interesting mix of pieces because you also have to have your creature count really high for chalk outline to work, which is tough to do because you don't always get the creatures that collect evidence. So to get your creature count high, sometimes you can't have the collect evidence things. It's a very specific mix of cards you need. And then Insidious Roots is just not playable, I don't think. Jury is still out for me on both of these cards. Not Whoa. because not because I have tried them, but I have, and, and shout out to everybody who's doing this and if, if other folks want to, but like I'm getting a lot of people giving me intel. Like I've got my my testing teams, but I'm getting, people are sliding into the DMs. They're, they're showing me some deck picks. They're giving me their intel. I really appreciate all the love and support for the PT. I have seen a lot of successful decks with both Chalk Outline and Insidious Roots. I am not sure yet like what, 
the key, I think the real key piece for both of these cards is Rubble Belt Maverick, the single green one drop one one. When it ETBs, you surveil two, and you can pay a green to exile it from your yard to put a plus and plus one counter on something. I think that like I've seen that in multiples, and I think to a lesser extent, actually, Gravestone Strider is also quite important to these decks. That's the colorless two mana one three artifact. It can filter for a color of mana any turn. But the key thing about Strider is that so it has the second ability of you can exile it from your yard to exile something else. If you exile something else from your yard, that's a creature that triggers those cards twice. And so those cards, oh. I think, are really key to make. And obviously, obviously, V2 Ghazi uh, Inspector is like great in these decks. Like any other collect evidence is good. I think you'd need to go in the lab a little bit with these cards, but I have seen successful decks with them. I don't know how reliable they are, like draft in and draft out, but they're out there. Okay. And you're kind of of selling me a little bit. I hadn't put those two specific commons in decks with those. I was trying to do it clunkier, (laughs) which is why it was bad. The other thing about those decks is that, or about people coming to me with those decks is People can't agree. Like some people are on team roots. They're like, chalk outline doesn't matter. Insidious roots is the truth. And then I'm getting other people being like, insidious roots is too clunky. Chalk outline rules. Like, like I said, I haven't played with either much myself yet, but I do think, I think they're real. Okay. Well, I did it and failed miserably, but I I don't think I had the right builds listening to you talk. Those were like my first two drafts and I went quite deep. Then I was like, wait, this is kind of a mess. I I think I just probably did it wrong then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, So yeah, maybe I'll I'll have to get back in the lab and do some more experiment. Speaking of being in the lab, I have been in the lab with red black. I know it's like one of the worst performing archetypes on 17 lands and in the whatever random event that I've like struck gold and have something slash let's have a secret to reveal in a couple weeks in the live pod. We're going to we're going to keep the lid on red black for now. Ooh, a little secret for the PT. I love it. Okay. Green black. What's going on there? Green black is similar to blue green in that it's don't die and win the late game. I think Um, you're really just making sure that you have blockers, good defenses set up against the white aggressive decks. I think it also really wants to splash different from blue green. I think it's got much more of a milling kind of a reanimator sub theme. And I think this is by far the best home for aftermath analyst, which I know is a card that's skyrocketed for both you and the one in a green one, three. ETB's mill three, and then you can at instant speed pay three in a green to sacrifice it to put any lands from your graveyard back into play. Like, so it ramps you. It's totally dumb and also especially gross with the, with the evolving wilds, wilds variant. Yeah. Yep. Like, so, like, if you crack that maybe once or twice and then you mill a land with this, like, plus have some other mill maybe, Aftermath Analyst can ramp you in a hurry. And you also don't like normally your ramp spells cause you to take damage. Aftermath Analyst, you can chump, sack it, get these lands, and then untap and have like eight mana, nine mana. I know you've uh, maybe had some some World Spide and Worm casting experience in the format. So, so I was <laughs> drafting I was drafting the other day. Pick five, World Spine Worm appeared in my pack. I had no idea because I haven't really like looked over all of the list cards. That's the eight green green fifteen fifteen trample. Uh, when it dies, you make three five five tokens, and then if it goes into your this this part, I actually didn't know because I messaged Ben. <laughs> I messaged Ben when I saw this. I screenshotted it, and I was like, "All right, we're doing green black reanimator." I'm in the middle of pack two, and Ben goes, "Doesn't World Spine Worm shuffle in?" Which it does. <laughs> so World Spine Worm shuffles in, so you can't really reanimate it. Except the reanimation spell 
the three black black one is an instant. So you could do something with it, right? You could respond to the trigger. Luckily, I never saw that card, but I did end up with two aftermath analysts. And so I was showing Ben the deck and he was like, you're, he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I think I can cast World Spine Worm. He's like, you're never casting World Spine Worm <laughs> in this deck. Cast it three times, baby. Actually, <laughs> cast it in one game. Opponent had the X and red spell that like deals twice X to it. Killed it. Traded off the three five fives. Drew World Spine Worm again. Cast it again. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> the deck went one and two. It wasn't. It wasn't great. It had a lot of filler, as you might imagine, to try and just cast an eleven eleven or fifteen fifteen for eleven mana, but. Uh, but yeah, I think Aftermath Analyst is it just does everything those decks want. Yeah, it's it's a very good green ramp card. And I think green wants to ramp. At least certainly green blue and green black really want to ramp. I think if you just avoid the the bad disguise cards in green and black and just play good green and black cards, you've you've got a recipe for success. Moving on to blue black. This is like true old-fashioned control, I think. Like Fairy Snoop really tells you like what this deck wants. It wants to block. It wants to get incremental advantage, right? It gives you that two for one when it flips up. It's nice to have the option, I think, in because four toughness is so big. It's nice to have the option in blue black specifically with this to just be able to cast it on turn three as a one four flyer, which I've done quite a bit as well. Right. I think this is the only deck where Fairy Snoop's really playable because not being able to play it on turn three as a one four flyer is a huge punishment for that card. Well, and what other decks really, I guess you could play it in blue-green. It's just like you don't need to work you, for card no, advantage that hard. There's card advantage everywhere. Well, and there's no shortage of things to do for three mana because of Disguise. And so like you just don't need it elsewhere. So it's nice to have the mo- modality in blue-black specifically. I will say, as I alluded to before, I've had success with this as a tempo-aggressive deck as well, thinking about Out Cold and Crime Stopper Sprite and... Some Gorehounds. Some Gorehounds, some Fester Leeches, like black like it just like curve stopped on three and then there was an out cold and a lost in the maze like you can do it i I think that the tools are there but that's not the default yeah the default is control you want removal you want discard you want counters you want card advantage like you just Mm -hmm. want to play a blue black control deck like pure control which i think is also cool to have that range in the format of you know the white beatdown decks all the way to blue black on the other end of the spectrum Mm mm-hmm Crickets for red green. Yeah, I mean <laughs> that takes us to red green. I, I have no clue, no That's clue. It seems no. it seems bad to me, but I don't know how to make it good. So if we find out how to make it good, I think we will report at a future date. And I think I will say, having um, tried it a little bit this week, I am kind of off Goblin Mask Maker, the one, the single red one two, like. Mostly because it, I found it hard to get a critical mass of disguise creatures. Like, it just, a lot has to go right for you to be like in the, okay, I've got two to three mask makers and I've got seven, eight, nine disguise creatures that I'm happy playing, that I'm not just playing filler for. And that's all, you're already signing up to work hard for a non tier one strategy, which I just don't think is something you want to do. Right. All right, let's take us on to just a brief list of some movers up and movers down in the format, having gotten to experience these cards a little bit more. First up for me is Case File Auditor. It's two and a white for a one four human detective. When he ETBs you, and whenever you solve a case, you look at the top six cards of your library, you can reveal an enchantment card from among them, put it into your hand, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order, and you can spend mana as though we're mana of any color to cast case spells. We sort of knew this, right? When we were 
talking about this in the crash course of like all the cases are doing such very unique, specific, different things. It's hard to imagine wanting multiple cases in one deck. And that's true. The thing that this is, is a three mana one four that finds you removal spells. And there's a lot of enchantment removal running around, right? The uh, makeshift binding is there at common. There's the white green signpost enchantment. I had this in my triple coerce to kill deck like this finding that control magic i think this like because a three mana one four is a good blocker i i think that's where it's home is i'm like okay if i have got i I, and i think you can get whatever four or five enchantment removal spells this is a great card in those decks all right i'm here for it next up we've got hazda vigilante this is a card that you turned me on to i still have not cast it yet but it's on my radar four and a white for four four and whenever it etbs or attacks you put a plus one plus one counter on target creature you control with power two or less this card's huge like it's five it's a five five for five essentially assuming you have something in play that something is likely small so it's getting the counter and then as if this ever gets to attack and threaten to like it's pumping something else they're going to have to deal with this. Plus, you've like, it's just a lot of bang for your common buck. I think this is a good curve topper for white aggressive decks. Next, we've got Eliminate the Impossible. The tagline here in our show notes is that this card is absurd. It's one on a blue for an instant. Investigate. Creatures your opponents control get minus two, minus oh until end of turn. If any of them are suspected, they're no longer suspected. Talk to me about this card. Just defense or offense it's just like everything is a 2-2 and this is just like now nothing has power and so you know i can double block stuff whatever it, it removing suspect it replaces itself it's so cheap like this card's just a massive blowout and i think plays well on both on defense to buy time it's it's fog draw card or you know if you have stuff that you want to engage with in combat you can pick something off like and then you get the clue back I, i've been very impressed by this card also priced to move at two mana. I haven't cast it yet, but the one time it was cast it's, against me, it was a beating. Yeah, like I, I feel like this could cost five mana. And then I'd be like, all right, pretty clunky, whatever. But like two mana is insane. I, this is this next card has my vote for top blue common projector inspector. This is two and a blue for the three two. Whenever it or another detective you control is uh, enters the battlefield or is turned face up, uh, you draw a card. And if you do, you discard a card. This card's great. We haven't really talked about it yet. Like it wasn't in either of our top commons. We didn't chat about it in the crash course. This card's incredible. Yeah, I agree. This card's very good. It would also be my vote for the top blue common. And I think when I was looking at 17 lands, if it weren't, if it wasn't the top blue common, I was kind of bummed to see it so high on 17 lands because I had decided that I loved it. But uh, apparently the data is helpful too. Yeah. (laughs) Apparently he says. Next up, I, I have such... I go back and forth on this next card. Case of the Gorgon's Kiss. Single black. Case. Uncommon. When it enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target creature that was dealt damage this turn. To solve, three or more creature cards were put into graveyards from anywhere this turn. And when it's solved, it's a 4-4 creature with death touch and lifelink. I do think there are homes for this card. But I don't know how many you want in those homes. And I've also just, like, it's hard because sometimes this card does literally nothing. But then sometimes it is a one mana 4-4 lifelink death touch kill a creature. And so, like, the times when it does nothing, I feel like it's okay because the times when it's the other thing is absurd. Have you played with or against this card? 
I've played with it a fair amount, and I I really like it. It's a carrot, like it's a it really is. tasty carrot that they're dangling in front of you. It's and such when, a... you, when you manage to reach that carrot and take a bite, man, it's delicious. <laughs> I, I think it's worth noting some ways to make this card better and some ways to not get got by it. So first of all, tokens don't trigger this, right? That the way to solve this is three or more creature cards entered graveyards from anywhere. Tokens don't do that, right? So think about that. Let's get that out of the way. But there are other cool things you can do, right? So the, the, obviously the, the ideal here is two creatures trade off, you know, your opponent chump blocked another creature, you finish it off. That's the third creature that dies. I've had plenty of spots where two creatures trade off. I play, I sack red herring, the, the one in a red uh, clue creature. So that's a way to, for me. To, and then I just play case as a one mana four, four. I've also had looting as a way to trigger it, right? Two things die. And then projector inspector bins a third creature. And then that's going to trigger this. So there are, again, ways to have that tasty carrot make its way into your mouth a little bit. But I think uh, I think I'm I'm on team case of the Gorgon's Kiss for now. The other thing you have to note is you have to be aggressive, right? You you cannot play this card Correct. if you're not aggressive because it's only your turn, right? Oh, right, because it's only going to trigger on. It's your only going to trigger even... on your turn. Yeah, you you yeah. cannot play this if you're not aggressive like and you have to be planning to be and, very aggressive to play and if your opponent is clearly racing you you have to side this out like if they're just like gonna be like look i'm not engaging even though you're aggressive i'm also aggressive and i'm not gonna be blocking you you gotta take this out of your deck imagine sideboarding pff, playing I best must, of three I must imagine <laughs> okay leering onlookers next this is one in a black for a one three flyer you pay two black black exile it from your yard to create two tapped one one black bat creature tokens with flying i said this is just lingering souls you said you have this as a mover down i have this as a mover down i don't think this card matters in the format mostly because it's too expensive and the and the bat tokens coming in tapped really punishing i just think there are so many ways to go over the top of this like it's been moderately annoying but it's not i don't think it pulls me into black anymore i think it's a, a c plus this is Black's best uncommon, and you're out of your mind. <laughs> that's, that's what I think. Uh, I love this card. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have not found. If I found every part of this card to be good, I love playing Rubble Belt Maverick on one, revealing it, surveilling it into the yard, getting my free bat tokens down the road. I know, I know. but it's like four mana, so much to pay for the but bat it's instant tokens. speed. Just hold up some mana, baby. I guess, but they come in tapped. I don't know. I, like, I, I agree. It looks like it should be good. It has just not played out well for me or for opponents. Like, I've beaten it pretty easily, and it has been beaten pretty easily. I mean, on it's my just side of the one card. It's not, it's not carrying your other 39 cards on its back, but it's quite good. Sure, it's a value card, but I, like a value card where value is everywhere. Like, so this this comes with two bat tokens stapled on it instead of a clue. You know what I mean? Like, so mm -hmm. like it's not that unique in that respect compared to all the other cards that are two for ones. And I think four mana for two bat tokens is a worse deal oftentimes than just spending two mana to crack a clue to find your bomb rare or whatever. Like, this clue could be anything. It could even be a bat token. <laughs> we'll take the clue. <laughs> Next up, we have, speaking of clues, Persuasive Interrogators. I'm curious if you've seen this one. Four black, black for a five, six. When ETBs, you investigate. And whenever you sack a clue, target opponent gets two poison counters. I think this is a real win for uh, control decks. I think it's a real win con for those decks. And important to note, as I had this come up, it can actually be 
It can be your last card in the deck. Like I didn't have it as my last card in the deck, but I did have like a game state where I was like, as long as I don't dangle this without 16 lands in play, I can't lose. And so you, cause what you can do is crack the clue, poison trigger resolves, wait, and then don't have the like draw card trigger resolve and then just crack another clue. You can poison them out before you have to draw any cards. As long and as this, I this, this had to have been an aftermath analyst deck. <laughs> oh, for sure. For <laughs> to, sure. to get to 16 mana. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not only have I uh, experienced this, I have I've gotten the poison win already. Yeah. Got to get the poison win. Uh, we talked about analysts. We talk about outline and insidious roots. Vengeful Creeper. Have you seen this one? This is the 5-5 five, five that blows up artifacts yeah. and enchantments. This card is terrible, right? No, no, no. Four and a green, 5-5. Five, five. <laughs> Disguise, 5 and a green. When it's turned face up, destroy target artifact or enchantment and opponent controls. Okay. So this is what I thought. I thought looking at this, this card is filler. It's completely garbage replaceable but i had a draft again not go super great so needed some some filler this is fine like um, i'm in green i can play this blew up makeshift binding like every game and it, and it's huge like I, again it's hard you i'm not like now this is the top green common you have to prioritize it like it's still expensive and it's a common so you're not gonna have a ton of space for it but i i think it's definitely worth in best of three i think it's definitely worth having one of these somewhere in your draft, if you can, if you're a green deck. And I think it's not bad. I think it's like filler plus to put in your deck. Like there's targets for this running around. All right, that checks out. Next is on the job. This is two white, white for the instant plus two plus one to your team. And you investigate. Usually the game ends when you cast on the job. So investigating is right. not that important, but it is cool also that you can just like fire this off on turn four or five or six and push a bunch of damage and not feel terrible about it because you get your card back. Like it, it does actually matter in those situations. This is well, just an oppressive finisher for the white <laughs> aggressive decks. God forbid you have to block and you can just cast this on blocks. And that's also I've been blown out there, too. Yeah, on the job and dog walkers are best friends. Real, yeah. real big business walking dogs these days. <laughs> Next is a red herring. This card is incredible. One in a red for the two, two. Uh, haste has to attack each combat, which you want to do anyway. So that is just forcing you to play correctly. And you can also pay two to sacrifice it to investigate or draw a card rather. Yeah, this is the best aggressive threat for red at common by a lot. I think it's probably the second best red common behind shock shock. Oh, that can't be true behind person of interest. I think this is better than person of interest. I think there are person of interest costs cost four mana. I'm aware. I know what the card does. But for our listeners who don't, this is three and a red for a 2-2. Two, two. When ETBs, you suspect it, and you get a 2-2 two, two detective. Yeah, I, I like red herring a lot. I, am, I, I think there are definitely decks where it's the best red threat at common. Uh, we've talked about Loxodon Eavesdropper in our, our green-white praises, but this has just moved up for me. It's a two-way player uh, on offense and defense. You also, threat of activation on cracking clues is pretty real for this. Like It acts like a four-mana 4-4, four, four, even though it isn't. A four mana four four. I've really liked Loxodon Eavesdropper. Yep, I totally agree. Lastly, a killer among us. This is the uh, four and a green enchantment. There was a lot of scuttle about this early on. Like it's oh, it's bad. It's incredible. I mean, it's it is. I know this is top of the uncommon power rankings on seventeen lands right now. Um, so it's an what? enchantment. It comes in, like yeah. overall. I think no it's way. The, I think it and Maverick Thopterist are one and two. That's the the blue red improvised cre- creature. Yeah, killer among us. 
Top of the heap. Ben's going to go into the lab. I'll, I'll, I'll read you what the card does. This is a foreign and green for an enchantment. When it enters the battlefield, you make a 1-1 white human creature token, a 1-1 blue merfolk creature token, and a 1-1 red goblin creature token. Then you secretly choose human, merfolk, or goblin. You can sacrifice a killer among us, reveal the creature or the chosen creature type. If target attacking creature token is the chosen type, put three plus and plus one counters on it, and it gains death touch until end of turn. It's just a lot of power and toughness. A lot of power and toughness, but I think you have to want to be aggressive for it to be truly good. Like, this is best in green-white. Five five mana for three one-ones, yeah. Right, right, right. This is best in in green-white, probably playable in green-red too, but don't know how playable red-green is. It's also four-fifths. It's four-fifths of a way to solve that colorless case. It gives you a green, red, blue, and white permanent. So you're you're four-fifths of the way there. Uh, Yeah, okay. That's not nothing. I, I would expect this to move down the 17 lands rankings i i just saw it there i mean it's floating near the top it's like when you sort by top users it goes down a bit I, like this card's good it's not i think one of the best uncommons in the set to me i don't want to poo-poo it too much though like it is very good killer among green, yeah, green yeah. aggressive decks yeah, yeah yeah i also don't know if you like i think it's just like in mid-range i think it's just i think it might just be good i'm not sure if you need to be aggressive i think if you're full blown control you probably just have better stuff to do for five mana but i think i think it's just good that's fair so movers down for me we, we've talked about my like dislike for for murder and and where what my thoughts on removal are i have a removal spell here not on my watch it's the one in white instant exile target attacking creature i think timing restrictions on this that it's not like target tapped creature or whatever that you like have to kill the attacker, the fact that it's four mana to kill or to exile a disguised creature. It doesn't remove a blocker, which is what white needs more from its removal. I'm just kind of off this card. It's been awkward enough for me. Yeah, uh, that all checks out with me. Have you seen Flight? This is the one in a blue flash aura. Creature gets hexproof and plus one. Hexproof until end of turn and plus one, plus oh, and flying. Uh, I have. I mean, it was a beating against me the time my opponent stuck it. I'm kind of off this card. So there's no aura synergies for it. Again, there's timing restrictions because like you want to just, you want to get the two for one, right? You want to protect something from a removal spell and then have it sit around. But because it's plus one plus O, you can't even use it as like a combat trick in fail cases. And then do you feel good about just dangling it to put a threat in the air into removal spells? I'm not into this card very much. Blue-green is its best home, I think, because you can suit up some giant monster into the air, like in in that fail case that you're describing. Like, you do feel pretty good about a 6-5, whatever, flying dork. I guess. I think not not ideal. Certainly not a pull into blue. Like, a mover down in that sense for me. Like, it's a C. Like, I'm playing into my blue decks that have creatures I want to protect. I think both of us had this as number one or number two top blue uncommon. It's nowhere near that for me. Yes, I agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah, talked about murder, talked about coerce to kill. The 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 just because the control magic variant is not good against the white weenie strategies or or dog walker and other weenie strategies, like it's still good, just you need to be aware that it's awkward against those that best deck. Yeah. Uh next is Cold Case Cracker. This is three and a blue for the three three flyer. When it dies, you investigate. This is just kind of homeless in my mind but like was kind of surprised to see it when i was tooling around 17 lands was fairly high up the the common rankings for blue i just it's hard for me to imagine the deck where i want it like blue white detectives you just have better options at two and three mana when you don't want it to die right that's what you said last week right? right you don't want it to die it also doesn't block particularly well like it's just a weird card and as as a result i think i've just kind of moved it down 
Yeah. And lastly is Topiary Panther. This is 4GG for the 6-5 Trampler, and it's got basic land cycling for one and a green. I'm, I'm basically hoping to never play this at this point. There's so many better ways to fix in the format, and you're not really happy at all with either half of this card. I am not in agreement here. We're going we're gonna, to, I guess, end the episode on a little bit of dissension, even though we've been pretty um, lockstep for this hour. Uh, I, I like Topiary Panther a lot, I think. Like, I do think six mana six five trample is big like i'm not happy with that i think the the fail case is i'm looking to land cycle this but i'm looking to land cycle this specifically when i have collect like this is a synergy piece in collect evidence six like a a, a plethora of those cards in my deck like if i've if i'm in black green and i have some edicts you better believe i want some topiary panthers which brings me to i, I talked about analyze the pollen a little bit in terms of i've played this card a lot that's like Single green rare, search up a basic land card or collect evidence eight, and uh, you can search up a creature instead. The split cards that are two mana slash six mana, like push pull, flotsam and jetsam, those are like once you have analyzed the pollen, those goes up, 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 up for you because that's one card to get your collect evidence eight. And I've started to be thinking about collect evidence in that way a little bit. So when I've got collect evidence six, I'm looking out for the topiary panthers of the world. I'm looking out for ways to get those. Like it is upside. You don't need them, but the more you can reliably enable them. Um, and when it's something like the edict effect, that sort of helps in the respect of topiary panthers. Like, well, you're taking a turn off to go find a land. It's like, yeah, but in exchange for two mana later on, I get to get their largest threat off the board, you know? So that's that's fair. I'm probably maybe a little too harsh on it on hope to never play. I think more the sentiment is that like that I want to get across and you're probably selling me a little more that it still has a home, but that it's you're you don't want to play a six mana six five trample. So you're only putting this in your deck if you want to fix in a deck. You want all pieces of this buffalo. You want all pieces of the panther (laughs) useful to you in this deck. Yeah. Yes. Right, right, right. And even then it's still like Taking turn two off the land cycle is not really an option in this format. So you're trying to slot this somewhere else in your curve, ideally. Like, well, white decks just mow you over when you don't have a turn two play. Right. And, and saying that, well, it's good for the edict doesn't sell you on it. You know, that the edict's not really catching you up against white weenie. So right. that's true. But like, you, like, if you are making up for it, right? Like, if you're, again, I don't know if you want to do this, but if your turn two is Topiary Panther Cycle and then your turn three is Crime Stopper Sprite Stun Something, you're you are getting that tempo back you know like so i i just think i just think again you need to be utilizing it in it's got to be like whatever find the basic land and then you're you're gonna use it from the graveyard in some way right 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 yeah you're selling me on the all all pieces of the buffalo argument which is and there's been several cards like that already this episode you know where we're talking about it being a synergy format and making sure you have all the right pieces like Cards that I've not liked, I think I've been using the wrong way. And you've talked me around on some of Mm. these cards. And and another one I want to shout out before we go, because I think it's a perfect example of the type of card to slot into a deck just because it's so clear, is a rare. It's Case of the Stash Skeleton. One in a black. Mm. Uh, ETBs makes a 2-1 skeleton and suspect it. To solve it, you control no suspected skeletons. And then when it's solved, you get a demonic tutor. You can crack the case for one in a black. Like You just can't play that in a a non-aggressive black deck like you have to be planning to be on the front foot because it's so embarrassing if you're playing black green or blue black and this is your turn to play and then you fall behind like and you just lose because you put this rare that's got a high ceiling in your deck but it was the wrong card to right, put you in want, your deck 
you want to be interested in two mana two one menace can't block and then the rest is all and then they're like well i have to deal with that and then they get to just go find whatever they want like that's the spot you want to put your opponent in Right. If you yes, if you are aggressive, you get the whole buffalo by yes, by, yes. By, be, by being aggressive. And if you're not aggressive, you get no buffalo. Like mm-hmm. there is, you know what I mean. But I think it's been really interesting discussions about those two green build around enchantments too, chalk outline and insidious roots. Like I just didn't have the right pieces around them. So I think the format offers a lot of things like that, where you're going to have to really dive into the exact specific scenarios for cards to make them work. And if you don't get them in those exact specific scenarios. They're going to be bad for you, which I think is going to reward like high skill, high understanding of the format, like all that sort of stuff, which is really cool. Yeah. So I think that's the kind of thing you want to be doing unless you're in my draft pod at the Pro Tour, in which case just relax. It's a pretty easy format. You don't need (laughs) to do that many reps. You'll be fine. Absolutely. For sure. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you, as always, to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to CoolStuffInc.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over there for any and all purchases, please use checkout code LOL when you do to let them know we sent you over there. And more importantly, to get 5% off of anything you purchase. You can find all of our content on our website. That's LordsOfLimited.com. You can find our tier list, which Ben had ready earlier than I put up. I let that lag a little bit. That's on me. It's up there now. Um, And update as of Friday evening. So I think I feel pretty good about where the tier list is at. Love to see that. So tier list is up to date. Episode backlog, links to our YouTube channel, Twitch streams, all that good stuff over at... Oh, and of course, as I'm sporting my Magicians Against Data t-shirt, there's links to our Public merch as well. So if you want to get that in advance of MagicCon Chicago, there is still time to do so. All of that at lordsoflimited.com. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody. See you later.